afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast. Owner Stories, Tuesday today. Uh, another Owner Stories coming up. We're up to number 48. 48 of the Owner Stories series. Um, today, I'm going to be joined very, very shortly. I'm running late. Uh, this is in, <clears throat> I'm in Bahrain. Some of you guys would have realized that from last week's episode. Um, I'm in Bahrain. Uh, still here for a while now. Uh, but I've got Benjamin coming on very, very shortly, actually in about five minutes. And Benjamin's coming in from the US. He's coming in from uh, Charlotte in North Carolina. Um, to be honest, I don't know how we're going to fit all of Benjamin's story into one episode. We'll talk primarily about his Porsches, but he's had a very, very large, he's had a very large car collection. Uh, and he, I think he's going to have a great story for you guys today. So I won't talk anymore. Um, I'll just say Porsche Code Owner Stories. If you want to come on Owner Stories, uh, I'm still obviously taking people on. Um, just send me a DM through michael.bath or send me a DM uh, on Porsche Code on Instagram and just let me know the car you have. And you don't have to tell me a whole story. Just say hello. Just tell me if you'd like to come on and uh, we can uh, organize a time in the coming weeks. Um, I hope it sounds okay today. I'm not in my normal surroundings. I'm in an apartment here in Bahrain, so it's a little bit... A little bit off-putting for me. It's a little bit weird, uh, as it has been for the last few weeks. So hopefully it sounds okay for you guys. Anyway, let me get Benjamin on the line and let's start talking about his Porsche Cooled Owner's Story. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Owner's Stories, number 48. Only two more to go to 50. We're almost there. Um, it's quite a lucky number, 48, actually. I quite like that number. Um, today, as I said, I've got uh, Benjamin, who's just joined me via Zoom. Um, I was just mentioning to Benjamin before he, uh, when we were just sort of talking off camera, um, my internet has been a little bit unstable, but it seems to be okay, so hopefully we can get through this without any issues. Benjamin, thanks for coming on Owner Stories. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Michael. And, uh, and before we start, I just want to say really a big thanks to you. Uh, I got to say, I, I know this is a labor of love for you. It's a creative endeavor. I really appreciate the work that you do. I'll, I'll throw Steve in there as well. It is, uh, it's really fantastic to hear you guys every week, to check in, uh, you know, especially in these times. I know everybody uh, over, the, over the pandemic, you know, we've all been really lonely, uh, isolated, and it's just so awesome to hear you guys every week. And I know what a huge effort that is to do something like this. Uh, so I just want to thank you for it. I mean, it, it's really fantastic. I look forward to it every week, as Thanks. I know many people do. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. No, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. And also, um, I'll just tell the listeners, Benjamin is also a supporter on Patreon as well. So thank you so much for that. And also, we actually, uh, I was trying to think back. I think you first sent me an email, I think, way back in, was it 2020? It must have been around 2020, right? I think it was, and you yeah. sent me a link to a 912. I remember that. that I think that was that's the first right. time you reached out. Yeah, yeah. I remember that now. Right. A few times. Which I think it's still available, Michael. It's still available, is it? <laughs> really? How come it hasn't sold already? It has not sold. I, I, I'll have to refresh my memory, which whatever one it was. I can't even remember exactly which it one it was. It is a Tangerine 69 5-speed. Oh. It has got a beautifully rebuilt motor. motor was rebuilt by a guy who is a Ferrari you know, mechanic who is fantastic. The best in the Southeast, in my opinion. Oh, okay. uh, it's a nice car, a very nice car. I should take a look at that again. Anyway, let's get in. Let's let me just introduce you because I didn't say it properly. So you're from the US. You're from Charlotte in North Carolina. That's correct, That's right. Benjamin. I live in Charlotte now, but uh, I was born and grew up in Los Angeles, which I think is a big factor in my story. We'll get into that. Yes, and I kind of led into it in the small introduction that I did before we came online. Um, before I came online with you, 
And I just want to, you know, so the listeners realize, you know, Benjamin has, a, has had a lot of cars and a lot of great cars. You really have. Um, and, I, you know, just so the listeners know, you sent me a list and it's a fantastic list. And you've got some, you know, the three cars you have now, I, I'm very interested in as well because they're cars that I like. Um, I don't know so much about the truck, but I know about obviously the other three. But I think before we start talking about all the cars, Benjamin, let's, let's start with a question that everyone likes to know about, you know, your Porsche journey. And if it was, you know, if it's something that's only happened in the last few years, or is it something that you, you know, that you always wanted a Porsche, even when you, when you were a kid or you were growing up, you had relatives or parents or someone had a Porsche near you. Um, everyone knows my story. I lived in a country town and there wasn't many Porsches. I used to sort of only see them every now and again on, on the weekend, sitting by the, the freeway or the highway, watching people go back to Sydney. How did it all start for you and how did your car passion start and did it involve Porsches in the very beginning? Yeah, so I, I grew up in Los Angeles, actually, in the San Fernando Valley. And, you know, people from Southern California know there's a very, you know, specific car culture <laughs> in Southern California. Cars are really important in Southern California. And there's very heavy and different types of car culture there. And European car culture is definitely among them. And I, I grew up, uh, you know, as a kid, you know, really into air-cooled Volkswagens. And, you know, I bought my first air-cooled Volkswagen when I was 14 years old, two years before I could drive it. Right. Uh, And my friends and I, you know, that's, that's what we did. We, we wrenched on our cars and we took them apart and we rebuilt them. My best friend had a 53, uh, you know, semaphore beetle. Mine was a 67 beetle. Uh, and so, you know, really for two years before I could drive it, you know, we were rebuilding the motors and doing all the bodywork and painting them and doing the interiors and all that. And that, that's what we did. That was sort of our pastime. I think that that came from my father, who was also uh, a hack mechanic, and he liked to wrench on alphas. He had alpha spiders when I was uh, a little kid. I remember that. Uh, and, I, you know, I think I always aspired to own a Porsche. I, I think it was, you know, I... I it was out of reach as a, as a teenager, but I mean, we all, we drooled over 356s and I had an uncle who was a stockbroker. He had a, a black 930 and I had a best friend of mine whose brother was a wealthy developer and his wife had a, an SC, a beautiful okay. ivory uh, and so, you know, I, I, I was certainly aware of Porsches and, uh, you know, how special they were. I had actually driven in that SC and in that 930. And so, I, you know, I knew how exciting they were. Uh, but really for the, you know, earlier part of sort of my, my car journey, it was, it was more focused on air-cooled Volkswagens. So you got the Volkswagen, you, you, you bought it two years before you got your license. So basically you're just, you were just making it perfect. So when you had your license, you had this really cool car that your first car, you've got your driver's license and you're driving this very cool uh, Volkswagen. Yes, exactly. And so this trend, this, so you started off with a German car, you started off with the, with the Beetle. Then, you know, some time passed. What is the, what do you start getting into though? Do you start, do you keep that German trend? Do you keep buying German cars? So you've got your license, you've been driving around your, your Beetle. Do you start looking at German cars, more German cars, or do you start going into American muscle cars? How does it, how does it change no, from I there? went from that Beetle uh, into a, a Scirocco, a new Scirocco, Gen 2 Scirocco in 87, red and black. Uh, and I got, so I drove the Beetle maybe my first 
two and a half years of high school. And then as I was getting ready to graduate high school and I had a job and I could afford a car payment, uh, I bought the Sharaka. So bought it new, uh, drove that for a couple of years. And that was a, it was a 16 valve Sharaka. So again, it was a Gen 2, red, black interior, awesome car. Loved that. It was awesome to go from the Beetle to, you know, a modern Volkswagen. But I think that really sort of cemented my love for Volkswagens, uh, you know, which continues to this day. I don't, I don't have one now, but I'm sure one's in my future. <laughs> yeah, and it, it seems like there is a trend here on Owner Stories, uh, especially with Marco, who was on a couple of weeks ago, um, or last week, um, and PJ from the UK. You know, this Volkswagen into Porsche, and also, you know, old Mercedes, uh, BMWs. There is a trend where Porsche owners, it seems, have this sort of progression from German, in different German cars and then eventually end up with a, with a Porsche or a 911. So you've got the Scirocco. That's a great car. It's a driver's car. Um, you've had the Beetle, which is an air-cooled, which is, you know, the, the, the history of Porsche, basically. What is the next car that comes along that is a memorable, memorable one for you? So I, I for a while, so this is sort of, as I was getting out of college, uh, I think I traded that Scirocco in for like an Accord, and that sort of started the... Uh, the uh, a trend of not very interesting cars, <laughs> <laughs> commuter cars, family cars, you know, uh, those sort of things. I, I, I started, uh, I had kids at the time, young kids, so minivans and things like that. Probably the next exciting car for me, the next enthusiast car for me was in 2004 when I ordered a brand new uh, R32 from okay. our Volkswagen. Fantastic car. Oh, I, I miss that car too today. That that is uh, really just a an amazing car. The the drivetrain on that that Mark IV R32, it's just it's just phenomenal. I mean, it's just tons of torque right on tap. It's it's an NA car, so you know it's it's available to you all through the power band and just the fit and finish on it, the handling of it. It was a really special special car. It was a black magic pearl, black leather interior, uh, manual, uh, six speed, just, just an awesome, awesome car. There seems to be a bit of a trend of Volkswagen trend at the moment, isn't there? I mean, obviously there's the thing with the Beatles and the combis and all that sort of thing. And the values are going crazy, but there also seems to be this sort of direction where people are going back to the R32. People are starting to look at the R32 again. They're starting to look at the VR6 again. You know what yeah. I mean? Have you noticed that? Yeah. It seems to be, and I've noticed, you know, when I look at prices in the UK and Australia, the prices are on the rise again for those cars. And they're high mileage cars. A lot of them have been driven a lot. So they're not low yeah. mileage cars, that's for sure. Is that something you would look into again in buying one of those? Absolutely. I, I would have an, another R32 in a minute. Um, you know, I, I love the Golf. I'm also looking at the Mark I. Uh, I'd love a Mark I GTI. That's, that's something I'd love to... Oh, and I've never owned a Mark One Golf, and so I'd love either a GTI or even a Mark One uh, Cabriolet. Um, yeah. I've had I've had a Mark Three uh, Cabriolet, which was fun, but the, I love the look of the Mark Ones, that sort of wedge, angular look. You know, I, I'm very much into that sort of '80s '90s yeah. style. The the Mark One the Mark One Golf Cabriolet just reminds me of of London in the eighties. It just feels yeah. it just it just has that iconic look. It's a bit like you know if people from the UK, it's a bit like Sloane Street. It's a bit like that sort of cruising around sort of look. It just it, I think it was such a big car in in the UK, and you still see old ones around here and there. You I don't do. know if they're Mark Ones or Mark Twos, but you see them around. 
Um, and those haven't those haven't gone crazy yet too. You know, those are still actually pretty pretty affordable and you know again very iconic cars. And, and I think that's really for me. I, I love sort of iconic um, iconic cars that have a lot of soul and personality. Like that that's really what I look for, and that that's what speaks to me. Uh, you know, something that. You know, it isn't just an appliance, doesn't just get you from here to there, that really has, you know, something special about it. You've got this love of Volkswagens, but also on your list, I notice you've got quite a love for Honda as well. What is it about Hondas that you like? Well, I, you know, I think Hondas are, are just good cars. <laughs> you know, they, 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 uh, they work, they, uh, the maintenance on them is, is very well. Uh, and again, I think kind of like Volkswagen, they're a pretty good blend of, uh, of function, feature and price. Yes. You know, I, I love, don't, don't get me wrong, I love the higher-end European cars too, but, uh, you know, when, when it comes to maintenance and things like that, you know, you're, you're going to spend a lot more money uh, keeping those cars on the road than, uh, you know, something like a Honda or a Volkswagen. So you bought the R32 new. It's a great car. Yeah. You decide to sell that car. What is the next car that makes you feel like you did in the R32? Because you obviously really love that car and it was a great car to drive, great German quality. What was the next one that came along, Benjamin, that made you feel like the R32 did? Yeah, so this is interesting because it's really a big, it's it's really very different from the R32. Um, I sold the R32 right as my kids were getting to be driving age. Uh, okay. You know, I, I, I just felt like that was probably the best thing to do, not to have that. I bet car. they were unhappy about that. Yeah, they, they weren't too happy about that, but but uh, on the other hand, pro- probably a, a good decision on my part, uh, just not to have that as a possibility. Um, the next car that I bought from there that was really a special car was a uh, a seventy one Mercedes two fifty coupe. Okay, uh, this was a sea green. This is a, the W one fourteen chassis, so this is the what they call the pillarless coupe. Yes. Um, and I found that car in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, with actually, you know, really, it had 70,000 miles. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, this is a, again, this is, this is not a fancy, you know, th- this is a very pedestrian Mercedes. It, you know, uh, no power door locks or windows or anything. I mean, just a very basic uh, car. But when I tell you the presence of this car... Uh, when you when you roll up in it, when you get in it, yeah, you know, it is. People talk about like sense of occasion. There's this huge sense of occasion in it. I think you're car. underselling it and by saying it's pedestrian, though. I really do. I know power wise it is, and I'm looking at I'm looking at the pictures now while you're speaking, Benjamin. Sorry for interrupting on yeah. your Instagram, and that's the green one, right? It's yes. It's just a beautiful, beautiful looking car. It really is, and that color yeah. and that the pillarless coupe. You know what I mean? It's just. It's a fantastic looking car. It is. It is. And, you know, every time you get in and drive it, I mean, it, it is just, like you say, it takes you back. It just makes you feel really special, takes you back to a particular point in time. Uh, you know, I think one, one of the other things I think, Michael, on these cars, I, I think there's a theme here. We always sort of want the cars that our fathers drove. <laughs> you know, my father and my friend's fathers, they drove these, you know, these 
kind of European, uh, you know, whether it was uh, like the W123 Mercedes, those were pretty, pretty popular back yeah. when I was growing up yeah. or the early you know, BMW seven series, like the 735s and stuff. And those are the cars, you know, that, that uh, you know, as a kid, your parents or your friend's parents drove and, you know, somehow there's a, there's a longing to, to drive those cars and to own those cars. So I think that's a little bit where that comes from as well. Yeah, I agree. They're, they're not, they're not Porsche, but they still, at the time when you're a kid and you're growing up, they're still a little bit unattainable. They're not cheap cars at the time. Yeah. You know, they're luxury cars. They're special cars. Um, and the fact that, like you said, you, well, you could have bought them now at, at a low price, at a cheap price. I mean, obviously, all the old Mercedes are, are actually going up. But, you know, I, I like the whole idea of that as well. I really like those 70s Mercs and the, and the 90s Mercs as well. I think they're just... They're just fantastic. And, and I know you've had a couple of them, have you, haven't you? So this one, I just want to jump forward, actually. So you had this one in Sea Green, and then right. I noticed on your list you also had another one later on. So you sold the, the Sea Green one, and you decided you, you definitely needed that car back in your garage? Exactly. I had to have another one. <laughs> so I, I found a 73 in Ivory White that had, even, it had 50,000 miles when I bought it. And it was a much higher spec car, so it had uh, you know power power windows, power doors. Uh, it, it had had a bunch of European headlights. It had been on lowering springs, so it rode a little bit lower, uh, and and uh, so bought that to to replace the sea green car. How long ago did you own these cars, Benjamin? Was it a long time ago? So I think I owned the sea green car in twenty. 10 maybe 2011 okay and i think i had the ivory white car in 2013 2014 because the last couple of years people are really looking at the 70s ones again aren't they they sort of like were a little bit soft there for a while unless they were the convertible i don't know the the, the name of it but the sedan yeah, no. type pillarless coupes weren't that expensive were they no these and again i think these cars are still pretty they're, they're obtainable if you can find, you know, the trick is finding a good one, finding one that doesn't have the miles, finding one that hasn't been, you know, absolutely worn out. Um, you know, they're out there. And, and I think these are kind of, uh, you know, uh, bargain buys if you can get them, if you can find them. So before we get into the into the Porsches, what's, what, what's another one? What's another one that you want to pull out and say this, is, this has pushed you into the Porsche journey as well? Another car oh. that you really enjoyed that you look back on now, even when you're driving your Porsches and thinking that was a great car, I wish I still had it. In 2013, uh, I bought, I, I saw on Bring a Trailer, this is back when Bring a Trailer was uh, not an auction site, but a, a site for interesting cars that uh, people saw all over the, the country that what they would post up. Yes. Uh, I saw a 1965 Volkswagen Type 3 Notchback. Yes. Uh, in and this was out of Arizona. It was a survivor car, I guess I'd call it. Um, it was on eBay at the time, and uh, I had always wanted a Type Three. And when when I was a actually when I was a teenager, after I bought that Beetle, I actually bought a a Squareback, the station wagon version of, okay. of that car. Uh, and I bought it for $400 from a kid. It had stopped running. So he, he sold it to me for $400. And I had tried for like six months to get this car to run. Right. And I could, I could not get it going. And I think I carried sort of that. And I ended up junking it. I ended up selling it to a junkyard. And, uh, oh, really? Yeah, I did. And I think I, I, think I felt guilty about that. <laughs> 
most of my life. And there was always this sort of uh, feeling like I, I, I got to do a type three, like I have to finish this somehow. And so 2013, I bought that, that type three out of Arizona and uh, I commenced on a complete restoration of that car. When I got the car, you know, it, it was in pretty rough shape. Um, right. Somebody had put fiberglass floor pans on the car, <laughs> okay. which, which is actually not, not very safe. The, the floor pans are actually give that car some structural rigidity. Uh, it had had this like horrible Tijuana velour interior done to it. I mean, it, it was just, it, it was in need of, of, a, of a complete uh, restoration. So that that's what I commenced to do. And I spent the next couple of years just completely uh, restoring that car and doing it in kind of a Cali style, uh, you know, built the motor, rebuilt the transmission, completely, you know, paint, bodywork, completely redid the interior. And those cars, the, the notchbacks, they did not sell them in uh, in the U.S. So okay. parts are really hard to get. They they came they came here through Canada and through Mexico, but they didn't sell them here. So getting parts for those is really tricky. So that was uh, you know that that was definitely a a, a difficult and uh, arduous journey. But uh, yeah, I was going to sorry, I was going to say that actually the notchback it's quite rare, isn't it? I mean, I know even in Australia as well. I I mean, for me, I always like the look of, and I'm sure they have notch, had notchbacks in Australia. I'm pretty sure. I know I always liked the fastback. I always liked that fastback yeah. shape. There was always something kind of special about it. You know what I mean? Um, obviously, everyone loved the Carmen gear, but to me, I always liked that fastback kind of shape. In fact, I liked it more than Beatles. I mean, a lot of people had old Beatles when I was growing up because they were just cheap, super cheap cars and you get your license, you buy a Beetle, and then, you know, that's what you drive to school, was that sort of thing. Um, especially living in coastal areas in Australia, that was sort of like the car that most people had. They either had combi vans or they had, you know, Australian cars or they had Volkswagens. I mean, I'm looking at the pictures on your Flickr again of that car. I mean, it's a beautiful shape. It really is a very unique shape, isn't it? I mean, it's quite a small, short sort of car, but it's a really beautiful shape. It is. Again, it's a really iconic shape. I agree with you. I love the fastbacks. Um, again, I'm... I think a fastback's probably in my future at some point, mm. uh, but it is. It's it's an iconic shape. It it really it's like nothing else. You know, you would you would drive up in that car and people would just go crazy because they had either never seen one or they just couldn't figure out what it was. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So very strong German car trend here. I've noticed on your list you had you've had a couple of Jeeps, you've had a couple, you've had Chevys, you've had you know you've had some American cars thrown in there as well. Um, what about some the car? And the M yeah. cars, what about the BMs? What about the BMWs? Because I know a lot of Porsche owners have had BMWs in the past or they have a BMW, an 80s or a 90s or an M3 or something sitting alongside their garage with their Porsche. Yeah. Um, what, was it, what was it about the BMWs that you liked? So I, I, I've had a couple of BMWs. Uh, I've had, I had an E39, a 2003 E39 M5. Loved that car. Beautiful car. Uh, that car is probably the best sedan made. Yes. Uh, just a, just a fabulous driver's car. Uh, I also had a uh, an M coupe. So that's a 2007 M coupe. That's the uh, the Z4 coupe with the you know uh, the M3 the S54 drivetrain, uh, which is also a fantastic car, a very fun car. And I would say probably the the BMW and ownership of the M cars is probably 
what got me to Porsche. Okay. Uh, because with with the BMWs, you know, I started to realize there was like a community. You know, there there were there was a car club. There were drives. There were other people who were you know doing things to their cars, and you know, I could get out of forums and talk about it and things like that. And and that, and that really you know that appealed to me. And I've always been a car. Uh, enthusiast. I've always, you know, love cars. I, I like you said, bought and sold a lot of them, but having that community was what sort of drew me to BMW, kept me there, uh, you know, helped me with those cars and probably, you know, realizing, Hey, you know, there's, there's a big, even a bigger Porsche community. And I'd like to maybe check that out. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The thing about BMW though, is those two BMWs you had, they're, they're cars that people want now. A lot of people want those cars, the M coupe, you know, the M5, which one do you regret selling the most? Well, uh, it would definitely. So the M5, unfortunately, the M5 I didn't sell. The M5 was in an accident. Oh, okay. And it was totaled out, and so. Oh, that's a shame. It was a shame, and, and that taught me an important lesson. Uh, you know, one that I will share, and that is for, for those kind for those kind of cars that are modern collector cars, make sure you have uh, an agreed value insurance policy. Oh, really? So uh, yeah. you had problems with that when the when it was that, uh, written off? That's exactly what happened was, you know, it it really wasn't a bad accident that the car was in. Uh, the radiator was pierced and the bumper and the hood would have needed work. But, you know, because it was an 03, and I think this occurred in like 2015 because it's, you know, a 12-year-old car, you know, the insurance company, unless you've got an agreed value policy, is basically going to total it out. And so... You, you really don't have many options, but if you've got an agreed value policy, uh, you know, then, then you can, you know, before and you can, you can determine what, what the value is and they've got to fix it. Uh, and, and yeah. that is definitely something that, you know, if you're going to drive these cars where, you know, there, we all know there's a market for them, right. And we know, we know what they're worth, but Hey, to the insurance company, this is just a 12 year old, hundred thousand yes. mile BMW, it's, it's not worth anything. That's the problem in itself, isn't it? I mean, that's the problem that, you know, things are changing so quickly. Prices are now going, changing so quickly on all Porsches, Mercs or whatever, that if you're not keeping up with it, your actual insurance value is not going to cover you and you're going to lose that's your right. car that you love. Um, I know that's when right. I went to insure and I wasn't in, you know, my car's in Australia, obviously, but when my car was being insured this year, when I was doing it remotely, even then it was a struggle getting them to increase the value. Like they just, you know, they have, they have the website they go to, which I, I still find quite bizarre that they just go to the car website that's online in Australia, it's car sales. They see what's available and then that's how they judge what your car is selling. It's going to be valued at, you know what I mean? Agreed value, yep. which even, even now on my car, it's, it's low, you know, it's probably, I'd say it's 15,000, you know, 10,000 us too low at the moment. Um, but that's all they would do. And I pressured them and I pressured them and they just don't do it. And unless I guess you can go to more specialty insurance. This is Porsche insurance in Australia, but I had the same problem with my, um, with my 997. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a tricky I, one, actually. I use Haggerty. Uh, I've used Haggerty for a long time and I have been very happy with that. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, okay, so the listeners are saying, are there more cars? There's a lot of cars in Benjamin's list. There's like 40... 44 is it Benjamin? 44 actually. 44, <laughs> 44 cars. Yeah. And some of those are Porsches. We're going to get to that. So what else? So we're, we're getting near the Porsche. We're getting near the current cars you own actually, not just Porsches, but the current cars you own. Um, yeah. Is there another one that you want to tell the listeners about? Is there another memorable one that you don't have anymore that you're sort of still lusting after? 
So I think uh, we'll, we'll go to the car that gets us to the Porsches. And that was a, uh, that was actually a, also BMW. It was a 550i xDrive. And okay. this was a car that, that uh, I bought to replace the M5. A great car. Again, uh, you know, it, it doesn't quite have the, it's not as, as high strung as the M5, but, you know, all of the power, this is the twin turbo V8, yes. uh, a great, a great car, uh, again, a terrific sedan and actually, so, so had this car and this is now during the start of COVID. So COVID we had this car for about two years and, uh, COVID starts and we find that we're just not driving that BMW, you know, we're, we're not doing much driving the driving that we are doing. I have, I also have a, a truck. Got to have a truck here in the South. That's yep, absolutely that's a requirement. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, that's really our daily driver. And so, you know, my wife who is fabulous and a huge supporter uh, of my uh, car enthusiasm said, you know, why, why don't you, why don't we get rid of this, BMW, which by the way, BMW is really her car. Right. Why don't we get rid of this? And why don't you get, you know, you've always wanted a 911. Why don't you get rid of this and get a 911? If we're going to have a car that's, you know, not getting driven all the time, why don't, why don't you get something that you really love? Uh, and I, uh, I did not ask twice. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, the BMW was up on Craigslist that Straight afternoon. Straight away. <laughs> Let's just, I just want to ask you one question about the BMW before we go into yeah. the 911. So you had the M5, you had that iconic M5. You weren't tempted to buy a new M5 instead of the 550i? No, um, I wasn't. You know, I think, first of all, probably out of my budget. Yeah. Okay. The, the 550, again, and this is, this is sort of one of the things I try to do, Michael, you'll see this through my, you know, through my car list. I try and find stuff that represents a a value play. So I look for cars that are, you know, sort of at the back end of their depreciation curve yes. that are uh, not yet <laughs> recognized by everybody else as the ones to have yes. that, that are sort of, you know, again, the, the up and comer enthusiast cars. And I, I really spent a lot of time trying to, you know, look at the market, looking at options, talking to people, driving stuff so that I, I, I know what that stuff is. And so, you know, for me, um, a new M5 would have been too easy, uh, <laughs> and, and probably out of the budget. If I'm if I'm being, if I'm being completely honest, yeah. Um, so, you know, I I try and find things that are a strong value play uh, that that I can buy and drive, and in a couple of years really sell and get out of hopefully without you know without really spending much. Yep, that sounds like a good plan. No, look, I, you know, like I said, and when I look through your list, there's so many cars on there that, that appeal to me. You know what I mean? I mean, I like the Scirocco. I like the, you know, the Golfs and, and you know, the old Mercs. And, you know, I noticed you had a, di you had a diesel Merc too, didn't you? You had a D 300D, which is an iconic yeah. one, the 300D that people love at the moment. You know, there's some great cars in there. So your wife said, get rid of the 550i. You didn't need any uh, encouragement to do that. You put it up on Craigslist. You sell it quite quickly. Do you know then, Benjamin, do you know... Okay, I, I want a 911, um, but do you know which one you want? How do you start looking? Do you think, do I want an air-cooled? Yeah. Do I want a water-cooled? Did you know exactly what you wanted, or was it just you just had to sort of start looking and see what appeared? 
So I, again, sort of coming from that value play, this, this is 2019, and I had been looking at 9-11s probably for about a year up to that point, just you know, following the market, driving different things, checking things out. I was looking at the time uh, at 996s because, I, again, at, the, at that time, they were still a relative value. They hadn't really exploded yeah. completely. They were starting to explode. Um, you know, 2018, you could still get a, a 996 in the, you know, in the high teens, low 20s, uh, at least here. Uh, that, that was you could do that all day long. A nice one. So that was sort of what I was starting to look at. I was also interested in an air-cooled car. And, you know, I think my Volkswagen past and history just sort of drew me to air-cooled. And as I really, as I drove the, you know, different 996s, I, I drove 997s as well. They just felt a little bit too modern to me. And okay. I wanted something that was going to, feel like a like a classic like an older car i didn't want it to feel like a like an old car necessarily like a like an air-cooled bug but i didn't want it to feel too modern as well it's, it's hard to describe what what i'm what i was looking for but when i drove a 993 i, I found it like that that to me was kind of the perfect yeah. combination of okay this is a very analog experience this is a very mechanical experience uh, but I also, I'm not uncomfortable. I have air conditioning that works, you know, the suspension, I, I'm, it's not killing me if I'm driving it for an hour. Uh, this, this is, this is a car that I can get in and I could go a couple hours in no problem. Uh, you know, but it still feels like, you know, a, a, you know, a modern class. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I think you, you know, you, you said it exactly how I, see it when I sit in a 993. I've never driven a 993, but I've sat in many and I've been a passenger in, in a few. Um, but there is something completely different about being inside a 993 than a 996 or a 997 like I own. Yeah. Um, it really does. Like it's, you know, we all know it smells different. It feels different. You know, the flat dash, everything's different. But I want to go back to what you said before, because you just told me that you look for things that are a little bit under the radar and things that are a little <laughs> bit good value. And you've gone straight to look at a 993, and this is only yeah. <laughs> this is only yeah. a short time ago, Benjamin. I know. Um, and we all know that 993s have been at a certain level for, for some time now, and they're going even higher up. Um, so how was that to change the way you think? Because you said that you, you look for things under the radar a little bit, you know, cheaper, or not necessarily cheaper, but undiscovered, let's say. Yeah. How did you talk yourself around with the 993? Yeah, that that's a great point, and you're absolutely right. I think you know I don't. I think at the time when I bought it, they had probably fallen to like number two position in the air cold market. The nine six fours had 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 overtaken them with all of you know the you know first of all the rarity of the nine six fours and Singer and all of that. But but yeah, you know I I think I what I did is I actually drove I drove a nine nine three. Um, I haven't driven a 964, but I drove some SCs and I drove some earlier uh, cars as well, some F-body cars. And I just felt like the 993 is just where I want to be. And, and if I have to spend the money, I have to spend the money. And I also felt like I don't. I I think these cars are still going to go up. I think there's room to run. I, I they had run up a bit and come yes. down. And I, I felt like they had some more room to run. And so it wasn't a huge, uh, you know, it wasn't a huge conflict for me. And, and you know, I think, you know, if I, if I look at it today, I, you know, I, I actually think I, 
I'm doing okay. Uh, you know, as far as values go, they, they do seem to have run up a bit. No, I think you're right, actually. I mean, you know, I was just going back to that point you made, but I think you're definitely right. And I think, you know, even, I think we can go back. When did you purchase your car this year? I, I purchased it in October of 2020. Yeah, see, in October 2020, from my memory of looking at cars nonstop, UK, Australia, 993s, and I think what you exactly said was correct, the 993s were a little bit less than 964s. And at one yeah. point there, 993s seemed a little bit low. They seemed like they were a little, even though they're not, they're not super cheap, they're not like 996 prices, of course, but they did seem a little bit lower than a 964, and you knew there was room that they were going to move. You know what I mean? Um, but apart from the value, you know, the 993 really is, I think it really is the sweet spot. You know what I mean? I, I, I kind of switch between 964 and 993, which one I would prefer. But I think the 993 is still, you know, Steve's owned both of them and I've been in both of those cars, but I still think the 993 is is the one that I would, would go for as well. So when you, how do you find this car? Do you find it online? Is it local to where you live, Benjamin? Or is it interstate? No. How, do you, how do you find this car? Unfortunately, it was not local to where I live. I, I did drive a few that were local. Uh, and, and that's really, and that's probably one thing I'll, one piece of, pardon, piece of advice I'll provide is drive stuff. Like it's so important to drive stuff. Um, yep. you know, so, I know so many people who buy cars without ever having, and I'm not saying you have to drive the one you buy, but drive another example of it so that you understand, you know, sort of the dynamics of the car, how it looks, how it feels, all those things, all those characteristics of it. And you know what you want. So I had driven a few. I found one uh, on, uh, on, on uh, the Renless form. Okay. Uh, it was out of, uh, out of Washington state. So uh, uh, Bellingham, Washington, which is like, about as far as you can get from Charlotte. It is in the absolute northwest corner of, I of thought Washington. It was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is It is almost to the Canadian border. Yeah. Uh, and found it on the forum, uh, you know, as I, I had been looking at cars, I had talked to a couple of people about cars, and, you know, as you always say, you know, when you really want one of these cars, you, you just have to be ready to move. Yes. You, you have to be ready to, you have to have all your ducks in a row and be ready to, you know, strike a deal because they go so fast. You know, this car popped up and there were, you know, eight replies. I think I was lucky enough. Most of the replies were not through, uh, you know, direct message. And so the, the guy who put the car up on the car, he, he kind of prioritized people who were rentless users, got back to me. Uh, and it was interesting because uh, it, it was almost like he was in, he interviewed me. I mean, we had a long conversation. We probably talked for 30 minutes and he wanted to know, you know, why did I want the car? And what was my history with Porsche? And really a lot of questions like, did I, you know, how, what kind of maintenance type things was I comfortable with? And really, he, he was really kind of feeling me out. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I did the same. I, you know, I, I also wanted to know all about the car, what kind of stuff that he'd done, what records did he have, all, all of the usual questions. Uh, and I think we ended that conversation kind of getting a good feel for each other and understanding that, you know, this was, uh, this car had been owned by somebody who had been a very good steward of it. And if he sold it to me, it was going to be going to somebody who would be a good steward of the car. And, you know, so many times, uh, you know, I've heard you say it on the show, and, and I totally agree with this, you buy the seller. Uh, but, you you know, this, in this case, it, it, he was kind of selling the buyer. <laughs> <laughs> sure that the but buyer that's, 
to be somebody who was going to you know, take care of this car. So the gentleman you bought it from, it's listed on Renlist, you know, uh, Porsche Enthusiast Forum. Um, how did this gentleman have other Porsches or was this his only car? He did. Uh, so he had had, so it's an interesting story. He had had this car. He had, he had first bought a 993 Cabriolet. Okay. He had a silver 993 Cab, also a 95. And he bought this car, he bought the coupe. And he is, he is an amateur mechanic as well, has a lift in his garage like I do, uh, does a lot of work on his own, you know, does all of his own work. Uh, and he had done you know, quite a bit of mechanical work on this car. So he had, he, this, the cab, it's an interesting story. The cab was uh, an 80,000 mile car. At 40,000 miles, uh, they had done a rebuild on the cab. Uh, a complete rebuild on it. Really? They had actually uh, punched it out to 3.8 and okay. put uh, uh, a hotter cam in the car. I think an RS cam in the car. Right. Um, and the the coupe that he had, my car, had 130,000 miles on it. Okay. And so th- what he actually did, he swapped the drivetrain from the cab into the coupe. He swapped the two of them. Okay. So my car actually is a 137,000 mile car now, uh, but it actually has a like an 85,000 mile drivetrain in it. And it, the drivetrain is actually uh, a, a little bit more power than what it came from stock. It's, it's a 3.8 with a, a hotter cam and a Steve Wong chip. Uh, and I think what, what he had, you know, I think his original plan was, and he sold the cab. So his, I think his original plan was to keep the uh, you know the coupe and put the lower mileage drive trade in that and, and have that and drive that and enjoy it and then uh, I think he he uh, bought a 997 cab yes and just fell in love with it and at that point didn't didn't want to keep them both and so okay okay so look he's asking you a lot of questions he's yeah. giving you the the interview process how do you yeah. because this car's a long way away. Um, the change in the drivetrain may scare some people away, other buyers away. How do you ensure that this car is okay? Now, you know, I'm a fan of inspections, but do you get anything done on this car or you just, you trust the seller? No, no. Um, you know, first of all, I did talk to him extensively about everything that had done. So I took sort of a whole maintenance history from him. Uh, he then backed that up with a, a ton of receipts. So he had, you know, a stack of receipts. And then I asked him to do a PPI with the local Porsche dealer. Usually if I buy a car long distance and I've bought a ton of cars long distance, uh, I will usually run a PPI. If I can't find a good, well-known independent, then I will run it through the dealer. The dealers always find things on the cars. That's, you know, it's just what they do. So I I had Porsche uh, uh, Bellingham do a, a PPI on the car. Okay, so before we go any further, let's tell the listeners exactly what this first 911 is. They're already getting a lead in that it's a 993. But tell the listeners, um, Benjamin, exactly what you bought, the color, if you knew of any options on the car. Um, you mentioned the mileage. Um, just everything about the car. Yeah. So I purchased a 1995 Carrera C2 in a venturing green. It's a, a venturing green. color. Kind of a, yeah, it's a great color. Uh, with a classic gray interior, uh, it's a six-speed manual. It does have the uh, LSD, so it's a limited slip diff. It's got the softback sports seats, great option on that car. 
uh, a rear wiper. Uh, and it, I have since then uh, converted the car to an M030 suspension. The car, when I bought it, had PSS9 coilovers on it. Steve's going to really like your car. I know he's going to. I'm going to, I'm going to share your, the Flickr page you gave you. I'm going to share that with Steve later. I'm going yeah, to give him absolutely. a little intro in it because I know he's going to really, uh, it's going to make him hank to get another one, I know for sure, because he loved that car. Um, and yours is, yours is pretty special. So it's reasonably well optioned. Um, it's reasonably low mileage for the years as well, isn't it? Because, you know, that's not that high, really. Um, and like you yeah. said, it's got the drivetrain. But can we go back to that drivetrain thing? Because that would scare a lot of people off. Um, and yeah. I, I, thought, I thought you would be the person to get inspections because you've got a lot of cars, you know, you're an enthusiast, um, you're a hack mechanic, which I want to ask about as well. Um, <laughs> but I thought you'd get an inspection. So that didn't scare you away at all that the drivetrain had been switched out? So the, the drivetrain being switched out didn't really scare me. You know, the PPI did reveal some things. So the PPI came back with... A couple of issues. The, probably the, the biggest issue that came up on the PPI was that the car was, the, the transmission was making a lot of noise. And they said, hey, we're going to need like 20 hours to figure this out. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and so I, I talked to the seller and he explained to me this car, he had, he had put a, a lightweight uh, flywheel on this car. Yes. So again, he, he had really sort of built this car to be more of a high performing, you know, 993 uh, hotter motor, lightweight flywheel, uh, you know, hotter clutch. And what he told me is, hey, you know, when I put the lightweight flywheel in, what, what, what happens is, you know, there's there's not enough inertia in the flywheel and it, it basically shakes the gearbox when the car's idling. And so right. nothing's. And this is actually a pretty well-documented issue on 993s for yeah, people who yeah. lightweight flywheel installs. So, so two things, like, you know, it sort of uh, you know, has a tendency when, you, when you're idling, you, you hear all the gears in the gearbox clattering. Uh, and it, it, it does sound pretty horrible. Uh, and, and if you were not, if you did not understand or know about this yet, it would definitely be a big red flag. Uh, the other thing that, that is a bit of a, you know, that I found to be a bit of an issue with it is, it is. It does make it more likely to stall. So unless you're blipping the throttle on on downshifts, yeah. you know it has a tendency to stall. Uh, the Steve Wong chip does a little bit to alleviate that, but you know that that was definitely. So th those two things came up in the PPI, and I talked to the owner about it, and you know he he explained to me what what the deal was, and he said, look, you know if it's if it's a concern to you, I will throw in. I've got a dual mass flywheel. I'll throw it in. Okay, you, okay. you can put it in. Uh, which which was great. Um, you know, to me that was that was you know an easy enough solution. I took that back to Porsche and I explained it to them and I said, oh, okay, yeah, that completely makes sense. That that absolutely sounds like <laughs> what's going on here. And now now we get it. So yeah, that was probably the biggest issue uh, that came out of the PPI. There were a couple of other smaller things, but they were all things that I knew I could fix. Okay. The spoiler wall had a tear in it. They often do the. Right. There were a couple of, uh, you know, just minor things that, that came up on the PPI that I knew I'd be able to, to take care of. And it seems like for a 993, because the options, <clears throat> the you know, the mods that the, the previous owner has added to this car, to the 993, is pretty common sort of mods that most people add. Because the things you've mentioned already, I know Steve added to his 993. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. exactly the same things that Steve had added to his to make it more, you know, RS-like or whatever. Um, yeah. What other was there anything else that the gentleman had done to the car? Was there anything else that was modified from the original nine nine three that that yes, was problematic yeah. or or something you didn't like once you took ownership of it? 
So he had, it was running on uh, the MYO2 wheels, which are great wheels. Uh, I love those wheels, but they are also very common on 993s. And I, I like things that are uh, a little bit off the beaten path that you don't see every day. So I have ended up changing those wheels out, as you know. Uh, and uh, he also had a sort of an aftermarket radio in there. The, the interior on this car, the cosmetics on this car were not uh, were not really that great. So that that's really where I've spent the last six months of my time is in bringing the cosmetics of the car, you know, up up to as good as they could be. So you know, it's been paint corrected and ceramic coated. Uh, I added, uh, you know, I I, I I've added a new front chin spoiler to it because the old one was fairly scratched up. Uh, I've adjusted. I, I've since taken the lightweight flywheel out and put the okay. dual mass flywheel in, which is, you know, to me, it just makes the car so much more drivable. And yeah, it doesn't spin up power as quickly, but it, it is so much easier to drive, and uh, you know, just less of an issue. And well, you know. it it's good that he gave you that anyway, because you experienced the other one, and then you realized what it was like. So you know, you knew what you were getting out of. Um, and if the noise is better, I guess that's a better option. So tell the, yeah. uh, let's tell the listeners about, you know, um, I'll just tell the listeners, you know, Benjamin sent me an email, I think, was it this year or uh, earlier this year, wasn't it, when you were looking for some yeah. wheels, the Magnus Walker wheels, which that's are out right. of production now, right? Because uh, your 993, you've added those wheels, but they're not in production anymore. They've stopped production. No, you can't, you can't get them. So I, I really, I'm, I'm a big fan of Magnus. I love those 1552 outlaw wheels, but they don't make them anymore. And so was looking for a set of them, have been looking on the classifieds, you know, they, they just don't come up. There is a company uh, out of England, Club Autosport, yes. and they sell a version of them. So they, they sell kind of a, a replica version of them. Um, and so, and, and actually, uh, good guys, by the way, I will definitely give them an endorsement. They, uh, you know, absolutely were, were uh, great all the way through the process. They did take a long time to make. I think okay. they took about three months to, I think I ordered them in maybe April and they got here in July. Um, and part of, part of the angst was, uh, you know, they don't, these, these are guys, I think they, these guys at club Autosport, they're like a Porsche tuning shop. They do, and, and they do some fabrication too. They make body panels and other parts. Uh, and they don't work by credit card for international. <laughs> really? You have to send them a bank wire. So okay, that's a bit weird. No, I'm looking. I'm looking at your photos again, Benjamin. I want to tell the listeners. I mean, you've got the traditional 993 wheels on the car that came with it, the silver wheels. Which uh, what are they called again? I forget the name. Those are the MYO2s. Those are actually from the 996. So 996. A lot, yeah. A lot, a lot of people put those wheels on 993s. And they look pretty good. They look pretty good. But then seeing the Magnus Walker replica, I don't, I don't know how this company would make the replica wheel of of that wheel though. It, confuses me a little bit how they're actually allowed to do that but i guess there's some arrangement somewhere but that wheel that you've got the magnus walker design one um it's very cool i mean it's black it's got the fuchs type looking you know shape um with the gold it's the gold or brass it's like a bronzy sort of gold it's color like isn't it bronze. yeah it's, yeah it's they like... look um they look f- i said that to you before they look uh, they look fantastic they really do look good I, i'm i'm loving it but it's changed the whole look of the car, hasn't it? I mean, it would have been a bit of a shock at first when you first put them on, I think. 
It, you're exactly right. And, and in fact, I, I think I spent about 10 minutes just staring at it and trying to figure out if I was going <laughs> to keep them on or not. Uh, but, but and, and you know, here's the other thing, like in the light, and you'll see on that clicker feed, there, there are a couple of different photos. There are a couple of photos uh, on my driveway, uh, you know, out in the trees where they are very dark. But in the light, when you get them in the light, they just they just look fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. the light does different things as well. All right. Before we leave the 993, what else have you, have you added anything else? Is there anything else you want to add to the 993 in the, in the near future? Uh, I have refreshed the suspension. So the suspension is completely refreshed and uh, upgraded to M030 spec, uh, which really just changed the whole character of the car. Uh, you know, it really, really brought it to life. Uh, you know, it, it's so much more responsive after that. Uh, you know, something I recommend if people are driving on 20 year old, you know, Porsche suspensions is consider, consider a refresh because the, you know, it it is just such a huge difference. Uh, I have, uh, I, I re-dyed the seats. I did a very light re-dye of the seats because they were a bit worn. There were some areas of wear. uh, And again, big, big um, shout out to my fabulous wife on that. Uh, who, who was able to custom blend the leather dye colors to nail the right tone because that, that's an interesting thing too on the on that classic gray interior over time they they discolor and they they tend to discolor so if you put a brand new dye on something like that it mm, just looks mm. off yeah. so you really have to bring in the right tones and it's going to depend upon you know the light uh, you know, my wife is actually a visual artist Okay. Uh, and he is brilliant with color and was able to just completely blend the, the you know, dead to rights color of the, of the seat. So I've, oh, I've redyed the seats back to their natural color. I've put a continental radio in because it had a sort of an aftermarket uh, pioneer radio that just did not look right. I think the continental looks, looks right in the car. Yes. Uh, and I've also uh, upgraded some of the carpet pieces that were worn. I've done the door uh, carpets. I've done the main carpets. I've also added some, uh, you know, new cocoa mats to it. Uh, I, they're actually made by the cocoa mats company, but they're a different pattern. They're their vinyl basket weave pattern, which I think looks really nice. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. They're great mats, the cocoa mats. So we didn't, we didn't touch on this and I want to go back. I've, I've kind of jumped forward a bit and I missed this, this part, which is, which is pretty important. Actually, you've been wanting a nine eleven for a while. You know, you've had all the German cars, you've had a lot of cars. Um, you've had, you know, up to, what, 40-odd cars up until this point or 41 cars before you got the 911. You got it delivered. It's being, you know, it's obviously shipped to where it's back to um, North Carolina. Yeah. It arrives at your house. That first drive that you take it on, Benjamin, was it everything you expected? Oh, it was, it was, so it was, it was a little scary, if I'm being <laughs> honest with you, because it was raining. I I, I get it in the rain, you know, and actually uh, I live off a private driveway, so you can't get a a semi truck anywhere near my house. So I ended up meeting a guy at at like the supermarket, you know, a couple miles from my house. They unload the car. Yeah. They unload the car. I I get in the car. And uh, yeah. So of course, you know, I told you about the lightweight flywheel. So I think I stalled it the first couple (laughs) of times to get it out of the parking lot. But immediately, I'm in the parking lot. I mean, even it's raining. I had so many, uh, three or four people come up and like, oh my gosh, is that a, is that a, a 993? A couple of, uh, you know, kids actually that, that were <laughs> like, 
wow, I've never seen one taking pictures of it in the rain. So uh, yeah, I, oh, I cool. get on the road. I'm a little bit nervous about driving it, obviously in the rain. So the first, the actual first drive was probably a little uh, intimidating and scary. But after the rain cleared, uh, the next day, I took it out with my son and, uh, you know, we took it out. Uh, there's a great stretch of road right from my house leading to the highway, took yep. it on the highway and just had a great time. And I, I had a huge grin on my face as did my son. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, you've got to, you've, you know, it's a, it's a keeper. That's for sure. I mean, this is one you have to hang on to, right? It has to be, has to be one that's going to be in the collection for some time. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I really love it. It's a very special car. I'm really um, excited to be the caretaker of it. And yeah, I, I, I have no plans uh, of, of moving this one on at any point soon. So, so you have the, you have the 995, uh, 1995, 993, 911, Carrera 2, it's in manual. And, you know, it's probably for most people, that's enough. That's all you need. <laughs> but like all of us, we keep looking and you find yeah. another Porsche. Is the Porsche, the Porsche comes next? You have another one. What is that one, Benjamin? So, uh, you know, love, love the 911. It's a great car. But one of the, one of the things that I start thinking about is, you know, it would be great to have an open top car. A convertible or a Targa, you know, not not maybe not maybe a 911, maybe not. So I start I start looking for different open top cars. I drive a 914. I drive uh, you know like an like an SC convertible. I drive a 996 convertible because uh, actually 996 cabs are are you know they're they're relatively affordable still. Yes. Um, you know and. I actually drive a Boxster, a 2.7 Boxster, uh, actually a Boxster that would later go up on Bring a Trailer uh, and, and sell quite handsomely. Uh, this is like a silver red sort of launch color car. Right. And I was, uh, you know, of all of those cars, I was probably most drawn to the 911 cab. Uh, and so I started looking at, at different 911 cabs. I'm looking at 997s, I'm looking at 996s driving different cars, looking at different cars. And my, I tell my air-cooled mechanic uh, that I'm looking for a, an open-top car, thinking maybe he'll, he knows somebody who's got a Targa or something like that. Um, and he tells me, I actually know a guy who's about to trade in a Boxster. Okay. And I tell him, ah, you know, I've driven the Boxster. Not, wasn't, wasn't that impressed with it. He says, well, this, this is an S. Have you driven the S? I said, no, I drove a base Boxster. He said, go, go, go drive the S. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, you know, it, 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 it seems to me not, not far off from a Miata, which I've had. He said, no, no. He said, go, go drive this one. It's, it's a really good color combination. It's a really good spec. Uh, so I take, I, I call up the dealer that he's going to, that his friend's going to trade it into. And I say, I, I hear you're coming into a Boxster. I, I'd like to drive it. And he said, oh yeah, great. You know, it'll be here Tuesday. Come on down. And so uh, I, I get in and I drive this thing. And let me tell you, if you have, if you haven't driven an S, if your Boxster experience is only based on a 2.7, and I'm not, I'm not knocking the 2.7. The 2.7 is great for what it is, but they are two different cars. They really are. Uh, and I get out and just fell in love with it. It was just a tremendous car. And again, this is back in March. And so this is sort of, you know, I, I think since then, 
Boxsters have been on the rise. And I think, again, this might have been sort of the almost the, you know, the last minute to <laughs> get in on the Boxster train, so to speak. So uh, that, that's what I ended up buying. It's a 2003. It's a, a, a 96.2. Uh, I wanted an 03 because I wanted a glass. I wanted glass in the top. Uh, so it's an 03. It's uh, in basalt black with a natural brown leather interior, sports seats, pretty high spec car. Uh, it's got side skirts, LSD, uh, you know, beautiful, beautiful box. It's a nice looking box though. And I agree with you. I think, you know, the 03, <clears throat> 03 because it's, you know, got the glass back window. Um, Boxster S because of the power people say you should get the S well, not that there's anything wrong with the base but you know you should get the S um, and I think you're right about the pricing of those because I've been watching those as well as, as if you listen to the podcast you would know as well um, I watched them and the prices in the last I think six months have started to jump quite a lot um, they are. quite a lot and not just you know I'm talking Australia UK which is what I mainly look at um, they have jumped quite a lot in a short period of time especially the low mileage and especially the O2 onwards and especially the S which are becoming very harder to find um, yeah. so what are the wheels on the Boxster because they look I always see those wheels on the Boxster they're like a lobster claw they're a bit like the lobster claws that I have on my 997 but they're not are they they're very similar no, no. they are those are lobster claws so it's are it's they? on lobster claws um, the wheels they are those those could be refinished that's probably you know an upcoming project for that but yeah no those are claws and how do you find <clears throat> you now got you've got the Boxster? So the Boxster you buy, uh, do you do any? Do you do your usual PPI on that, Benjamin, or you sort of like let it slide this time? I did not do a PPI on that car because uh, you know it, it, my air cool mechanic knew the car, yes, uh, and he knew the owner, and also you know again a stack of records, so I had tons of records on it. And I was able to look at the car. So I was able to get the car up on a lift, take a look at it, drive it. Uh, you know, I, I didn't feel like a PPI was, was really necessary since I could actually put my hands on the car. So who works on that car now then? Is that your air-cooled mechanic? Does he also work on water-cooled? He works on Boxsters and 911s? Or, you, you use, or you're doing the work yourself? Who, who looks after that car now? The, the guy that uh, referred me to the car, he is primarily an air-cooled shop. They do some water-cooled, though. He tends to do more water-cooled transaction stuff. So 928s, 944s, uh, you know, he, he does a lot of work on those cars. But he will occasionally do work on uh, you know, water-cooled Porsches. He's also a uh, – I think he knew the car because he is also a uh, uh, interior and, uh, you know, a, a trimmer. So Okay. They do, they do that type of work as well. Okay, so you got the 993 and now you've got a Boxster. How does it feel between the two cars, the difference? You've got the mid-engine, people are yeah. you know, chasing after the mid-engine. You've got the air-cooled, the iconic air-cooled that everyone wants. Are they really, is there a big difference in, in the feel of the cars? So I wouldn't say there's a huge difference. Uh, you know, I would say that the Boxster is probably... 80 to 90% of the driving experience of the 993 at, you know, 40% of the cost, <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, which, which makes it a terrific <laughs> yeah. value. And, you know, the Boxster is a fun car. I love it. Uh, I, and, and it's also a little bit, I think it's a little bit more accessible. It's a yep. little bit easier to drive. It's a little bit easier on you when you're driving it. 
But, you know, I, I, uh, I'm a, a Porsche club member. And so you go on, uh, you know, organized drives and things like that. And, you know, I'm always, I hang, I, I'll take the boxer and hang just fine with whatever 911 is, you know, is, is in the line. Uh, you know, you do have to drive it at the limit uh, a little bit more to keep up, you know, on a ride like that. But it's very fun at the limit. And, you know, I, yeah. I, I highly recommend them, especially as a second, like a, if you're going to have a, a second Porsche, I think they make a great complimentary car to an 911. Yeah, and a lot of people have said that. I mean, there's been a few people on owner stories, obviously, that have had Boxsters. Some people have just got a Boxster. Some people have a Boxster and a 911. I mean, Eric comes to mind, actually. Uh, yeah. Eric, who had the uh, nine, he bought the 911. He bought his 911, and then a month later, he bought a Boxster S, which is the one he has more fun in and whatever. And I asked him the question. I'm going to ask you the same question. When you go to your garage in the morning and it's a sunny day, which car do you tend to go to? <laughs> if I'm being uh, perfectly honest, it's the Boxster. I, I, there you, you know, again, it's just it's a it's a little bit more accessible and uh, easy. And, you know, what can I say? You know, I, mean, I love the 911 and, uh, you know, I, I look at them both uh, longingly, but I, if I'm being honest, I drive the Boxster more. How's the Boxster sound? It has an exhaust on it, doesn't it? You said it does. So it must be great uh, with the roof down. It does. It sounds fantastic. It's got a Borla catback exhaust. It's very throaty, but not drony. Sounds fantastic. Great. Great. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a beautiful looking, uh, it's a nice combination. The black with that, with the natural interior, the Basel black always looks special, it, I think. It always it is, is, a is a great combination. It is a great so, color. So are there more, before we get in, I, I want to talk about the other two cars you have, because we're getting, you know, we're getting in past the hour here. But is there anything else in Porsche that you're looking at now? Or are you just thinking, okay, I've got a great combination here. I've got the mid-engine, I've got the, the convertible, the roadster, you know, the spider, yeah. boxster. Is there anything else you've been looking at? I'm always after? Like, like all of us, I'm, I'm all, I, you know, it's like a, a compulsion, isn't it? Uh, I think seriously, I am starting to look at uh, at 944s uh, because I still think that there's value in those. Now, I haven't driven one, so I need to yes. go drive a couple. That's really what I need, my, kind of my next step. Um, but I, I'm definitely looking at, you know, candidates. And if I find something local, I will be driving them and, you know, if it, uh, if it tickles the fancy, I will buy it. Uh, I, I, that will fit in nicely though, won't it? That will be, that'd be a nice combination. Um, it would. that would be a really nice combination. Would you go for a 944 turbo or you just, the 944 would be enough, you think? So from everything I've heard and read, I mean, the turbo is the way to go. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking, I'm looking at those, but I'd also, I'd like to drive the NA car too, just to see, you know, exactly how it does handle and drive. Again, you know, for me, I, I don't, I don't have to have something that's blindingly fast. I, I'm yeah. more of a slow car fast guy than, uh, <laughs> yeah. than somebody who's got something that's, that's going to go 200 miles an hour. I, I'm just not going to do that. This is the thing, chatting to you today, you know, all the things we're talking about and we're all, you know, we're all lovers of Porsche and, and, you know, your story and, you know, the Boxster, you know, I'm a fan of the Boxster, I talk about it, you know, I'm thinking about for my wife who hasn't got a license yet, Natasha wants to learn to drive and I think that is the car that I want to get for her to learn to drive, especially because of the price and and because she likes how they look, especially the, you know, the 03, 02, 03s. Um, The 944 and the 924, I've kind of always looked at them. I've overlooked them. But having, uh, you know, talking to Alain, uh, talking to, you know, 
other people in, in, in a, on owner stories with the transaxles. The transaxles are, I think it is the right time, like you said. I think that, that there's a turning point. There's something happening in the market, and I think there's not much left that's, that's low value. That's right. And they've been that's a little right. bit under the radar for a while, haven't they? And yes. they shouldn't be, really. They shouldn't be. Um, so no, I think that's a good choice. Right. They're starting to come into their their due. And I will tell you, Michael, my wife loves the Boxster. Uh, okay. If you ask her. <laughs> but her favorite portion was it was. Does she drive the 911? She's driven the 911, uh, but she absolutely prefers the Boxster and loves driving it. Just loves it. And she drives stick, which is most important. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. And that's what my wife is going to learn to drive on stick. She wants to learn to drive on stick, not on automatic. So that's, that's the other reason of getting a, something like a Boxster that's a little bit cooler. Um, yes. Daniel was the other person I was thinking of. Sorry, Daniel. Daniel in Brisbane who had the 924. I was trying to think off the top of my head uh, who else had a 924 and a 944. And also Scott. Uh, Scott uh, has got one too. Scott has got the 996 GT2 now. So there's quite a few people who've been on owner stories that have the uh, transaxles and they all love them. They all love them. And Dan, what you said about experience, this is what, you know, Daniel and Alain were both saying the same thing with the 944 and the 924. It's about the experience of it. It's about the enjoyment of it. It's not about how fast you're going. Um, right. And I was surprised when Alain, who was on uh, owner stories, Alain from Belgium, from Antwerp, how he said how it, how well it handled, how well the 924 handled. You know what I mean? Which yeah. surprised me because I didn't think it would be that same feel, but you know, apparently it is. Certainly out here. I mean, the, the 944, 944s are kind of go-to cars for track events. You see them all the time set up for track. So, you yeah, know, there's, true. there's something there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So other cars in your garage, let's just touch on those. Um, you've so, got, you've got two more cars, haven't you? You've got two more current cars. What, what do you have, uh, Benjamin? Tell the listeners. So I do have a, I also have a 2018 Chevy Colorado ZR2, which is like a, a, you know, pickup truck that's it's sort of built for off-road use. Uh, and that's our daily driver. And again, it's it's a residency requirement uh, of the Carolina. <laughs> if you're going to live here, you got to have a truck. Got to have a truck. Uh, and then I, I am one of these, uh, you know, kind of sad, uh, <laughs> sad folks who uh, are, are in love with with Land Rovers, old Land Rovers. Yes. Uh, and I have I have a 97 uh, Range Rover, a P38. Uh, I, I, I didn't, I don't really know Sisyphus, Michael, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he drives a, a Range Rover. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, you know, it, it is, it is a, a labor of love with those cars. Yeah, There's always yeah. something going wrong with them. But again, they have, they have a lot of character. They have a lot of soul. They do, don't they? And you've got the 97, right? You said 97 okay. Land Rover. And the 90s ones are, I like the 90s ones. They're a bit sort of, they kind of look unbalanced, though, don't they? They're not really, but they look a bit uh, again, top it's, heavy it's in a way. But there's design language, a box on top of a box. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and how is the? How long have you had the Range Rover for? Uh, so I bought the Range Rover off of Bring a Trailer in okay. 2018, 20, and, 2017, maybe. And have you spent more on repairs and maintenance in the last few years? Than the cost of the well, car. It hasn't been terrible. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, it, it hasn't been the horror story that you hear. Um, I have, I did have to do a uh, a main seal, so the main seal leaked. Um, I, I don't know if we have time. It's I have a. It's actually kind of a funny story, like in terms of repairs when I picked the car up. Um, you know, so I bought the car. I won the car on Bring a Trailer, 
and fly out to Little Rock, Arkansas to right. pick up our, with my son. So we fly out. Guy is going to meet us at the airport. And I've, I've talked to the guy all along. Hey, you know, do you feel like this car can drive a thousand miles? Or, you know, or is there anything that it needs? We're going to be driving it home. No, oh, the car's great. Been driving it all this time. It's fantastic. No problem going a thousand miles. Right. Picks us up at the airport. The car is smoking like crazy. I mean, like just really? clouds of smoke coming out of it. And so I, I'm looking at it and I, I look underneath and, you know, I smell transmission oil. I see transmission oil. <laughs> and that's, okay. you know, that's what it is basically is, is transmission oil is leaking from somewhere and burning up. And, uh, you know, he, he, he's apologetic, but he doesn't know really what's going on swears that that's that's never it, happened it never happened before and it only happened when he came to pick when you up and it obviously an it obviously wasn't in the listing on bring a trailer that this was happening no that, that that was not in the listing so i mean yeah look at this is this is the fun of this hobby right so my yes. son and i uh we end up trying to find a land rover dealer to take it to there are none in little rock we end up trying to find an indie shop there are none finally find a european guy just on the edge of town guy who does european work he is able to, I mean, just incredible. So he, he gets the carbon up. He diagnoses that basically the, the transmission service has been done and they did not correctly uh, put the pan back on the transmission. They missed a few clamps. Okay. So it's been leaking transmission fluid. And what's probably right. happened is somebody's overfilled the transmission fluid and it, it was basically boiling out onto the exhaust pipes and causing all the smoke. So this guy actually, uh, you know, and so there are special clamps that are needed for the Land Rovers for the transmission pan. And we can't get them. He's missing like four or five of them. He fabricated them. I, I, this guy just fabricated them on the fly, like literally cut and ground them, made them, got it all, got the pan seated right, uh, right. refilled us. We were good. Made oh, fantastic. Trip. Yeah. So minor, minor issue. Um, minor the best, issue. The best thing about 97s, right? They don't have air suspension, right? So that's no, the no, best thing about Oh, they do? They have, oh, really? yes. Yes. And mine oh, okay. actually works. Yeah, my, my air suspension actually works. I have replaced the bags in the front. Okay. Uh, I'm getting ready to do the bags in the rear. But it actually works and works pretty well. Oh, that's good. So it tells you how much I know about uh, Range Rovers. Not very much. I didn't think they had air suspension in, in 97. I guess sure. Range Rovers were very expensive at that time. So Yeah, no, it's, it, it's a great car. I, I tell you what, for all of its faults, I love it. Uh, and I... I I actually bought that car thinking I would drive it a little bit and flip it, and I have not been able to bring myself to sell it because it just has so much personality. Yeah, it's a great it, that year. That sort of generation of the of the Range Rover is very very nice though. The ninety sevens, the the late nineties, is it ninety five, ninety seven sort of sort of period. That's right, um, Benjamin. You've you've had so many cars, honestly. I mean, forty four cars. 44 cars in, in, I don't know how many years, but 44 cars is a lot of cars and a lot of really iconic and special cars. Um, do you think you're going to add the, uh, an old Mercedes back to your collection as well? Uh, I would absolutely add an older Mercedes back to the collection. Uh, I love, I, I was actually just talking to a friend about this this weekend. I would love to have a 500E. That's yes. definitely on my bucket list. Uh, I would love to have a 6'9". That's on my bucket list as well. Uh, my father-in-law had a couple of six nines and those are just amazing cars and just mm. bulletproof. Uh, so, you know, if I, if, and I would probably 
I, I would probably be, you know, the other Mercedes that I love are the, uh, the 126 coupes, the, the coupes from the early 90s, the pillowless coupes from the yeah. 90s yeah. on the 300 chassis. I think you had somebody on uh, a couple of weeks ago who had, uh, who had like a 190. This would be like the coupe yes. version of that car. Yeah. And, and yeah. So, those are fabulous cars. I always have my eye out for one of those. And they're still very good value, aren't they? They're still very. actually pretty good value. You can still find them. They're, yeah. they're out and there. Yeah. Mercedes from the 80s and 90s, uh, th- those cars are so well built. They just are so well built. And if you can find a low mileage example, uh, yes, you're going to have to do some, I have to do some, some you know, fluid maintenance, seals, rubber, things like that. But those cars are just bulletproof. They go forever. So before we get into your favorite drives, because we're coming to the end of the podcast, I want to go back to the hack mechanic thing. I'm not really familiar with the term hack mechanic. I'm, I'm sure there's some of the listeners who I know, I know you mentioned it right at the very beginning and you worked on the cars. So what is a hack mechanic? So my, my, my understanding of a hack mechanic is basically a self-trained mechanic. So like okay. a, I am a YouTube mechanic. So okay. I, I am, uh, you know, the guy who is not afraid to do anything. It doesn't mean you do things badly. If somebody on YouTube did it, I can do it. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Because everyone on YouTube are experts, as we know, right? That's right. That's right. (laughs) But it doesn't mean you do things badly. That's what I was thinking. A hack mechanic is not doing the job badly. It's just learning as you go along. Self-trained, self-taught, reading, studying, looking. And you know what? Sometimes I do do things wrong. And you know what happens? (laughs) Then I take it to the real mechanic and, and, and it's all good. You know, so I am one of these people who is, uh, you know, not afraid to try stuff. And, and if good. somebody else did it, then I can probably do it. And even if I, uh, if I, you know, end up screwing it up, somebody can make it better. But the 993, you're not touching, right? The 993 well, goes to the air cool specialist or you're doing the oil and you're doing things like that. I've done, oh yeah, I've done a bunch of work on the 993, uh, you know, for the 993, it comes down to how long is the job going to take me? And if it's yeah. a job where the car is going to be down, if I do it for like three or four weeks, then I'm probably taking it to the specialist because they can get it in and out much quicker. But like oil changes, I've made a ton of different uh, you know, minor repairs on the car. I've done like to- you know some suspension tweaks on it. Some I've changed out some suspension parts. You know that that sort of stuff. Uh, you know I'm quite comfortable doing. Fantastic. Fantastic. So let's get on to the favorite roads because we're getting to the end. Um, someone's going to come out to, uh, someone's going to come to where you live. They're going to come to North Carolina. They're going to come to Charlotte. Um, is there a road that you enjoy taking your 911 on? Is there a road you've enjoyed taking your previous cars on, your Boxster? Or is there roads further away that you would recommend that people should definitely, if they're coming to the US or they're coming to North Carolina, they should drive on? Yeah, well, of course, you know, if you're coming to North Carolina, the one that everybody tells you to go to is the tail of the dragon. But I am going to tell you, I am going to steer you in the (laughs) opposite direction. Uh, I am actually going to tell you to take the road to Sparta. Sparta, North Carolina is a mountain town. The highway is Road 21. Road 21 is like a kind of a mini tail of the dragon. It's, It's not it's not quite as long. But a lot of fun, a lot of twists, a lot of turns. You can have a lot of fun on that road. And the the great thing about taking Highway 21 to Sparta is it intersects with the Blue Ridge Parkway, which is my road recommendation for you if you're coming to North Carolina, is to take a ride on the Blue Ridge Parkway. You're not your 45 mile per hour speed limit, so you're not going to be you know, going too crazy, but it is beautiful. And you will get to see some of the most amazing scenery. It, it, uh, you know, it's an elevated highway in many parts. 
Uh, it runs parallel to many state parks uh, and, and resource areas. So it is just beautiful. And, you know, I'm going to tell you to take instead of, uh, you know, the typical speed down the uh, tail of the dragon, I'm going to tell you to go slow and easy down the Blue Ridge and take in some scenery and uh, enjoy enjoy a motoring experience uh, you know, in the beauty of North Carolina. Fantastic. Great tip. Great tip. Benjamin, thank you so much. It's been great chatting. Um, is there anything else you'd like to tell the listeners before we uh, end your owner's story? No, Michael, I think this has been great. It's been really fun talking to you. I appreciate you uh, inviting me on the show. It's been fun to share experiences. And again, just thanks to you and Steve for all you guys do. Uh, you, you do a great job of this. It's, it's, really, it's really quite uh, special and quite entertaining. And so thank you very much for you know, all the work that you do. I appreciate it. Thank you. And like I said, when you reached out to me, and I might not have said this to you through DM or, or whatever, but when you reached out to me and I, I saw the cars you had, I thought, you know, this is before I knew your whole car collection. When you told me you had the 993 and then you had the Boxster. Um, and I was interested in knowing that, that story because I thought it would be a great story. And then you've got all these other cars which you introduced to me, which was like a little bit daunting at first because there were so many, but it's fantastic. Great story. I think... You know, I really do think the listeners are going to enjoy this today, Benjamin. So thank you so much for, um, for being on Porsche Cooled and thank you so much for being on Owner's Stories. Thank you, Michael. All right, everyone. That's uh, Benjamin coming in from Charlotte in North Carolina with his very, very perfect 995. Uh, what do I say? 995. 993. 95 model. 993 Carrera 2 manual. 03 Boxster S manual. Um, as you see, Benjamin is a car enthusiast. He's now a Porsche enthusiast. Um, so make sure you check it out. Oh, Benjamin, you don't have an Instagram, do you? I do, Michael. You have inspired me to fire up an Instagram account. So uh, you can check me out on Instagram at uh, Mod Classic Cars. That is oh, really? my... I'll, f- I'll make sure I follow you and I'll put that in the description. So what is it? At Mod Classic Cars? At Mod Classic Cars. Okay, so make sure I'll put the I'll put the description. I'll put uh, Benjamin's Instagram uh, link in the description of this podcast. It'll be on uh, the podcast and also be on the YouTube channel when it goes up on YouTube. So you can follow Benjamin. Go and look at his cars. Give him a follow. Make sure you tell uh, tell him you you heard his story on Owner's Story. Um, and that's about it. Thanks, Benjamin. Thanks again. Thank you, Mike. All right, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye for now.